Hey, good morning. We are continuing our pillars, and today is round two of missions. And, and Jody, I see you with us this morning. Are you good to give a testimony this morning a little bit later? Okay, now you don't have to shut it off. I'll walk you through that time. So, yeah, you're good. <laughs> um, God's doing a, a lot of really good stuff. And um, when we think missions, when we think missions, a lot of times we think it's like what I need to do. And just like worship, I'm going to like shift it on you because it's not about us. It's about him. Our mission statement, if, if you don't know it, if you look on this back wall, as you walk out, I, I kind of put it there purposely, but it's high enough that you miss it, but it's lead everyone toward full life development in Jesus Christ. Like, as we're going, that's our mission, to lead everyone in full life development in Jesus Christ. So that means whether they are far from God, we're trying to bring them into a relationship with God to know Christ, or whether they've just started the journey, we're trying to get them to walk a little bit deeper with Jesus in relationship, or maybe they've been traveling with Jesus for quite some time, and we're just encouraging and undergirding and saying, there's still more, there's still more. Keep growing until he calls you home or he returns. We're still growing. We're still moving towards him. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, this is the Great Commission. And you hear this all the time in mission sermons, so you, you know, you got to have it. It's, a, it's the mission sermons uh, verse. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Let that sit with you for a minute. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to our Lord Jesus. He says, go therefore, make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He says to us to, to go and make disciples. He says that this is, our, this is our mission for the church from Jesus himself. So far as mission goes, I think... I think we would say, yeah, I want to do that. Like, yeah, let's do that. Like, the church, this is what we do. Like, we fulfill the Great Commission. We go after those who need Jesus, and we, we share Jesus with them, and we see lives transformed, and, and we all affirm that. But sometimes I think we're like, I don't really know where to start with that. <laughs> so, as with worship, it starts with God. It starts with him. It's, it's who he is. So we're going to look first at, at just who God is. He is a great missionary God. We want to align ourselves up with him. We're, we're wanting to be like Christ. We're wanting to be like the Lord. Well, let's look at this. We see that God is a great missionary God. So let's just start with a few Old Testament passages. I'm only going to do uh, three of them. Uh, Genesis 3.15 says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So in the garden, after the fall, God comes and he pronounces judgment on all that has happened. 
And he's talking to the serpent here, and he says, one is going to come who's going to bruise your head or crush your head. He's going to make things right. This is a promise of God to pursue us, to come after all that has been broken. He says, I'm going to come and make things right again. From the very beginning, what we see, God had established that he would send one from the offspring of woman that would deal with the work of the devil. Now, the promise is, is from the heart of God. This comes from who he is, out of his character. He sees that those he created in his image have fallen, and they've fallen prey to the evil one who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He did. He killed their spiritual lives. He destroyed the relationships they had with God. He came and did that work. He, he came and destroyed this, and God, out of his heart, says, I will rescue, I will reestablish, I will save, so I'm giving you a promise. I'm giving you a promise to send one who will, who will pursue you, who will bring you back, who will deal with the work of the devil. So the promise is, is from God's very heart. He's going to be a great rescuer to us, one who not only created us in his image, he wants to redeem us, he wants to restore us, and that takes us over to Genesis chapter 12. Verses 1 through 3. So we see this promise get elaborated on a little bit more with Abram. It says, And now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country to your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He says, out of this family, that promise of Genesis, the one's going to come out of this family, out of this line, all the families of the earth will be blessed. The promise is expanded to all the families of the earth here through Abraham. God will use Abram and his descendants to make a way for, as it says in the New Testament, penta ta ethne, for all the nations, all the ethnic groups. Every group will be blessed through this family, through Abram. God's on mission. We see him. He's on mission. He says, I am coming. I am coming to rescue what has been stolen, what has been taken. And what will he do in this rescue? We see a foreshadowing of Christ's work. Ezekiel 36, 22 through 28, we read this. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness. And from all your idols I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. 
and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. He said he's going to take the Israelites from the nations to gather, to sprinkle clean, to, to give a new heart, to put his spirit in them. You, he says, will be my people and I will be your God. This is the work of a missionary king, of our missionary God. He's coming to restore what was lost. So when we think about missions, like it starts with God. Who is God? He is the one who does this. And as we think about it, it's not for, for our, our namesake. It's not for us, as he says here in Ezekiel. It's for his namesake, for his holiness. It's to show himself to be great among all creation. And so from this promise for Israel is the foreshadowing of the promise to come. God, God tells us what he's about, his glory and the redemption of a people for his own possession. He is a great missionary God who extends his reach through Christ, spoken of in Genesis 3.15. So then we go to the New Testament. Well, God of the Old Testament is a great missionary God. Well, Jesus of the New Testament, he is a great missionary Messiah. Jesus is also a great missionary king. Luke 19, 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's missions in a nutshell. What do we do? We go and proclaim the good news because Jesus is seeking and saving. Someone proclaimed it to us, and we proclaim it to someone else, and that is missions in a nutshell. It's just the faithful giving of the good news to someone who needs to hear it and Jesus is the one who's seeking and saving. It is, it is God who is making all things new. It's not about us. It's about him. We get to participate in what he's doing. So we see Jesus saying this. He came to seek and to save. So Jesus came to fulfill that first promise of salvation that was given from God the Father in Genesis. He says, one is going to come. And Jesus says, I am the one who came. I am here seeking and saving. So Jesus left heaven, took on flesh, became fully man by being born of the virgin, Mary. He was fully man, and at the same time, he's fully God. He came to, to bring dead, spiritually dead people back to life and to reconcile them to himself. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5, it says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. 
by grace you have been saved. He was seeking us, making us alive, coming after us, dead in our trespasses. Our trespasses means that we had sinned against God. We had thumbed our nose at Him. We were living in our own flesh, our own desires, our own schemes, which was following the, the prince of the power of the air, Satan himself. We're following the schemes of, of the world. No different from the original fall with Adam and Eve, doing our own thing, wanting to be gods ourselves, and have fallen. And here, God pursues. God makes us alive. God seeks. God saves. Romans 5, 8 says this, but God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So he goes to seek and save us, and then he pays our penalty, our trespass. He pays that. He dies for us. The wages of sin is death. We all deserve eternal spiritual death, separation from God. And this great missionary Messiah comes and seeks us and takes the penalty for us. John 10.10 says this, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. To give us life. That's why he came. To give us life and to have it abundantly. When we think about those songs that we were singing, like God doesn't just provide our need. He provides blessing too. He rejoices in that. He delights in that. Like, he, he looks at our circumstances and says, this is an opportunity for me to show you who I am in the midst of your circumstance. Not just providing your need, but giving you blessing in the midst of it. So he makes us alive. Where Satan came to destroy, Jesus comes to make us alive again. 1 John 3.8 says this, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. This great missionary king, this missionary Messiah, comes to destroy the work of Satan, to put an end to it, so that we can be set free, that we can be made new, that we can have new life, that we can have a new relationship with God. Jesus restores what was broken. He saves us. He comes to destroy the work of the one who has destroyed all of us. I mean, think about that. Born into sin, Satan's work was done really well, that he caused man to fall into rebellion, into sin, so that the offspring of Adam are born spiritually dead. Destroyed. Destroyed them. Cut them off. We think about that song, Egypt, that we were in a spiritual Egypt. It's much worse than being held captive by Pharaoh. You have been completely cut off. And Jesus, the Messiah, missionary king, comes to set you free. To destroy the works of the devil. 1 Timothy 1.15 says this, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Paul thinks of his own life, and he's like, 
I am the worst of sinners. And I, I bet we've all been there at times. Like, we're just thinking, I am the worst. <laughs> he says, it doesn't matter. Jesus came into the world to save even the worst of sinners. Oh, but God, God can't save me. He doesn't know what I've done. Oh, he knows what you've done. He knows what you've done full well. And yet he's still seeking, still coming, still coming to rescue. And he saves. That's, that's our missionary Messiah. And as the savior of a people, he calls them into the work that he does. The church becomes a missionary people. So we have a missionary God of the Old Testament. We have a missionary Messiah revealed in the New Testament. And he establishes his people, his bride, the church. And he says, now come and do what I'm doing. Be on mission with me. And he makes us a missionary people. The church is a missionary people. Mark 3, 14 through 15, we read this. And he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. What is he doing? He's saying, come with me. Watch what I'm doing. Hear the message of the king and the kingdom. Hear the good news. Now go and proclaim that. And he gives them authority to go. So he, he disciples the 12 apostles. He's, he's saying, this is what the work looks like. He doesn't just save us and say, okay, now you all sit over here while I finish what I'm doing. He says, no, come with me. Having kids, I, I can tell you, there's no greater joy than when they like what you like. <laughs> you know, and, and as a baseball player and a wrestling coach, I, I'm always trying to like, don't you want to wrestle? Don't you want to do this? And then my girl, Katie, out of all of them, she's the physical one. She's like, let's do Taekwondo. I'm like, yes! And it is such a joy to do it together. It's such a joy to, to bring those you love with you on the same journey. I mean, I grew up in a home where my dad's a hard worker, and, and he would go and he would do things, and he would provide for us. That was great. I didn't get to go do that with him. I didn't watch him do that. But on the weekends, he would come home and he'd say, hey, Rob, Ray, grab your ball, grab the gloves, grab the bats. Come on, we're going to go out to the ballpark. And then we would go play baseball together. He took me to do that. I got really good at that. I was being discipled. Jesus is discipling his church. He says, come with me, walk with me, watch me, do what I do. As he is a great missionary Messiah, he makes us a missionary people. Look at Luke 10, 1 through 11. And after this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, go sit over on the side. I got to go to work. No, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. 
And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and, and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. He sends out 72 there. And he sends them out to, to go do what he just did with the 12 in the other passage, to, to preach the kingdom. And he gives them authority to go do that. And that brings us back to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. All authority has been given to Jesus in heaven and on earth. And he says, go. Which could also be translated probably better as, as you go. As you're going, make disciples. Make disciples. Here's... Here's what I want us to sit with for a second. All authority. All authority. What does that mean? Well, it means that the power to command thought, opinion, and behavior rests with Jesus. All of it. To command your behavior. To command where you put your mind. To command how you use your hands. All authority is his. And often we say, well, that's nice. I'll let the church do it through whatever mechanisms they have. How We'll do the peace soup days coming up, and that'll be great. We'll all get together, and that'll be evangelistic because we'll have the band up there on stage, and, you know, Rob will preach a good message, you know, about the gospel and that, and I'll help fold chairs and all that, and it'll be good. That's evangelistic. So that, that fulfills the Great Commission. That's enough. Lord, I'm going to go do my own thing the rest of the time. I think we don't realize when we read that passage, all authority. Like, this is God, creator God, who created the heavens and the earth with just a spoken word. And then he says to you and me, who are created in his image, who he redeems, he says, now I want you to go into the harvest too. I want you to go with me. I love at the end of this, he says, I am with you to the end of the age. He says, there's this huge harvest field and it needs laborers. I want you to go and labor with me. And we kind of just shrug it off, I think. A lot of times we're like, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. But maybe it's, it's the church. The church is the missionary mechanism. It's you and me. We're the church. We're the body of Christ. We make up the church. So it's, it's individual. It's corporate, but it's also individual. So he's commanding us to, to go, and he says this to us in Acts 1, 6 through 8. 
So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that is the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. He says to them to go, but he says, you're not going to go powerless and you're not going to go alone. In fact, I'm going to put my spirit in you, and I'm going to give you power to go do the work, my work. It doesn't even rest on us. Like, we think, oh, missions, it's, man, I'm not a good speaker. I can't do this. I don't have the ability. or what? He's like, none of that. I just ask you, as you go, use the power of the spirit that I put within you, open your mouth, speak of the king and the kingdom, and I will do the work with you. He does all this work that we often say, I have to do. It's not ours. It's his labor. It's his work. He's the one who saves. How is he seeking and saving the lost in this moment? He's sending you. He's sending me. He says, walk over to your neighbor and and talk about, about what I've done in your life this week. Start sharing with them. Go to work and and share the good things. Go into the community and and share these good things. Like, start talking. He says, and the power of the Spirit will be with you. You, Sometimes we wonder, like, oh, I don't know if I can do it. You can do it. We just have to be available. We have to be available to His Spirit to work in us. I don't know if you've experienced this, but there are times where I'm just like, I don't know, I don't know if I... And, and like, the Spirit of God is the same. Rob, you need to open your mouth right now and talk. And I'm like, oh, maybe they're not. I don't think. And, was, and then I miss that opportunity. And I feel it. Like, I know it. Like, oh, that was a God moment. And I missed it. And the next time it comes around and the Spirit says, Rob, let's try this again. <laughs> and I share. I just... Simple, and I'm thinking, oh, what's going to, I don't know what to say. And, and in that moment, there's a quickening in my spirit. That's the Holy Spirit working with my spirit. And it, you come away from those times, good, bad, whatever, you come away and you're just like, oh, wow, that was awesome. <laughs> like, I don't, there was something about that. Like, that was supernatural. Yeah, it was. That's the point. It was naturally supernatural. It was an ordinary moment coupled with the Spirit of God in a supernatural way to speak the gospel to someone that Jesus is wanting to penetrate into their life and call them to himself. It's, it, it just seems ordinary, but that's, that's all it is. It's, it's walking with the Savior and speaking. So the church, we're not some faceless thing that does missions. It's made up of imperfect people who God has sought, who he has saved, who he has empowered, and he commissioned. You've been commissioned. <laughs> and it, I think we need to realize that. It's, we maybe not had that formal, let's all gather around and lay hands on you, but God himself has laid his spirit on you and commissioned you. Christ's disciples are missionaries by nature and by calling. Romans 10, 13 through 17. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord 
will be saved, how then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So we, we are commissioned as witnesses. We are commissioned to, to speak the good news. He, he sends us out. He says, you go and speak and tell them the gospel. Tell them the good news. I'm with you. And I've given you the power to do it. Acts 1.8, it says, And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will be witnesses. You have been commissioned as a witness to go and just tell people what God has done in your life. That's all you're doing. You're giving testimony to what God has done. Has God done something in your life? Has he done something that seems really huge and significant to you, but made this seem like in the ordinary, like I was praying for just God to meet this provision, and he opened the door and he met it. Share that. Tell people about that. Like that's, that's witnessing. That's part of making disciples. That's, that's telling them about Christ. What does it look like? I think this is where we kind of get hung up. It's like, oh, I got to got to be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. I got to have a plan. I got to have all this thing down. I got to have some kind of scheme, something to work from. What does that look like? Uh, I just love the way the village church out in Texas puts it. It says, it's neighbors, it's neighborhoods to nations. That's what it looks like, neighborhoods to nations. That's how, that's how simple it is. We make it really difficult. We're good at making things difficult, aren't we? I mean, if, if we were given the instructions, which we have been given, what do we like to do? I'll figure it out. <laughs> Don't we? Like, we, we do the Ikea thing. It's like, oh, this is so simple. How many of you have put together a bookshelf like four or five times because you didn't look at the instructions? You're laughing because you've done that, right? That's me. That's me. I'm like, this is so simple. I don't need these instructions. I can figure it out. He gives us the instructions. He helps us. He says, here it is. I've given you everything you need. I'm even with you. He says, I will help you. It's from the neighborhood to the nations. As a disciple, then, when I think about all authority being given to Christ and him commissioning me and him sending me and going with me and empowering me, then as a disciple, what that means is I want to orient all of my life around Jesus. I want to orient myself around who he is. I want my life to fulfill this calling. I want my life to fulfill this command. Now, does this mean that we're all going to jump on a plane after I get done with the final prayer today? No. It means we're going to go into the world like we normally do day after day, but we're going to do it differently because we're going to have a testimony with us. We're going to have a praise with us. We're going to have... Christ with us and the power of the Spirit in us. We're going to orient ourselves differently. So I ask God, what would it look like in my home? 
What does it look like in my work? What does it look like with my finances? What does it look like with my entertainment? What does it look like with my hobbies, etc., etc., etc.? What does it look like to orient my life around Jesus in this area, and in this area, and in this area? And when I do that, I will fulfill this great commission because I will be walking with him into the harvest fields, speaking and, and, and giving testimony. So what does it look like practically? First, it starts in the home. It just starts in the home. It doesn't matter what home you're in. I mean, typically we're thinking, okay, well, I got kids, and it starts there in the home. I've got to raise the kids. Even if you're a single and you're living on your own, or maybe you're living with some other friends and you're sharing it, it starts in that home. Whatever that home looks like, wherever you are, orient that home around Jesus. And those of us who have children, we are to orient our home so that we can share Christ with them. That we can help them to see the beauty of Jesus and, and hear the gospel and respond. It then goes to the community, to your work, to the areas of your influence. You start in the home, you orient your home around Christ. You, you leave the home, you go to work, you orient your work, how you work around Christ. The integrity you have, the way you talk, the way you speak, the things you do, the way you work should bring glory to Christ and give you opportunities to share Jesus with people. Why do you do that? Well, let me tell you why I do that. You know, I'm just thinking about how many opportunities we have in the workplace if we just go about things with integrity. Because this world likes to cut corners and likes to be a little shifty at times, and sometimes, oh, that's not a big deal. You don't have to. But you say, nope, this is what is right. And people say, why do you do that? Because you now have an opportunity to share Christ. Because of who God is, what he's done in my life. An example in our community was we were, when we were missionaries overseas, it wasn't a big deal to lie and to cheat on tests. Kids in school, that was normal. Cheating on your tests. Can you imagine that they expect that? Like, are you guys ready for your test? Yep, I'm ready. Got my cheat sheet. So the teachers made the test extra hard. <laughs> and they're like, everybody does it. Everybody does it. And then people would come to faith, and I'd be like, you can't live that way anymore. Why? Because our God is truth. And we represent God, who is truth. And we don't lie. And we don't steal. You're stealing that grade when you're cheating. You're lying. You're saying you know something, but you don't. You're, you're lying. You're, you're, you're not doing this with integrity. And we say, you can't live that way. And they're like, but everybody does it that way. I said, but you can't because you're a new creature. And so they would struggle with that, and they reorient their lives, and they would say, this is the hardest semester of my life. Why? Because I'm not cheating anymore. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, what do you think about your grades? They're like, I'm the most proud of my grades I've ever been. They're mine. And then others would be like, I don't care. And I'm like, well, let me ask you something. You ever get sick? They're like, yeah, I get sick. Everybody gets sick. I say, you ever go to the doctor? Yeah, I go to the doctor. Do you want a doctor who knows his material or the guy who cheated on his test? <laughs> you just ask them that question. They're like, well, no, well hold on now. <laughs> like, I want my doctor to know what he's talking about. I want my car mechanic to know what he's talking about. I want, you know, you start thinking about all the people you go to in life, and it's like, well, they all had the same 
environment. But if we live differently, we have opportunity to share Christ, to, to reorient the world in our communities where we have influence. Then it goes to the cities, out from where we are for just further out ministry, seeing a, another group of people who need Christ. Sometimes for us, just thinking about the cities, they're right, right up the road. There's a whole set of needs and brokenness there that we might be able to influence and be a part of in helping bring the gospel to. But just because there's a need doesn't mean you have to be the one to go fulfill that. Jesus will show you your harvest field. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. He'll say, this is your harvest field. I'm not up here to put guilt on you. That's the thing. I don't want to put guilt on you. I just want you to orient your life around Christ, and he will put you in the right harvest field. But we go from our homes to our neighborhood, our, our, our city, uh, uh, our community, to our cities, and then to our nations, to the nations who haven't heard the gospel, and even to some nations that have and need to be reminded of the gospel. He moves us into these harvest fields. He moves us into these places as we orient our life around him. He calls us, he commissions us, he empowers us. One thing about the nations is it's not always over there. Over there is, is a great calling. But the nations are also coming here. And maybe the nations are right outside your door. Maybe you, you're finding an unreached people group because you go to the cities. God does that. He, he brings them to us at times. So we see this, and sometimes the circles overlap, you know, Sometimes the nations are right in our community or they're right in our city nearby. Or sometimes we have to go far away. But we are orienting our lives to walk with Christ. You have that microphone ready? Jody, can you come up here and meet me at the front? You, well, I need to get this microphone uh, for you so I can walk you through. Let me grab this. We talked about this a little bit, but... We, a little, very little. Let's stand here so if they're watching on the live stream, they can see us. So Jody has been, uh, been walking on this journey to orient her life with Christ, and he is starting to call her out. And so talk about how that kind of looked and, and where you are in this process and what's going on. Okay. So I've been doing all the life things that the world wants me to do. And since um, Christ has been in my life, a lot of things have changed, but it's just like this is, it's just like I'm struggling. And I was looking at notes I wrote when Will Lowry was here, and I wrote, struggling, not my purpose, doubts, Jehovah Jireh. And it was, I don't think it was just that Will was here, mm -hmm. but it was time. And I'm like... I need to go. I need to go and see if I can go to the UK. And I want all I want to do in my life is tell people about Jesus. And if they don't know, they need to know. And so I went home after thinking that. And then again, well, that's just stupid. Look at your age. You have a job. So what? And um, two days later, I happened to mention it to Amy Zucone. 
and waiting for her to say, yeah, that's pretty stupid, Jody. <laughs> and she said, are you kidding me? That's fantastic. Take the steps, take the steps. I said, really? She said, yes. So I sent an email to Will. I talked to Katie. The following Sunday, I prepared to do my application. I prayed with Bethany. I got my application in. And after that, my son who lives in Texas, that I would love for him, his family to be closer, called me that week and said, Mom, my wife got accepted to the doctorate program at the U of N. I think we're moving to Minneapolis this fall. I'm like, really? And a promotion I've been wanting at work, I've been working on this since before Christmas. They're going to make an offer this coming week. And I don't care. <laughs> I want to go to the UK. And I can't even, when, when you ask me, I'm like, I can't describe the feeling I have. Like, this is purpose. This is really the opportunity for me to glorify God, to live my life in a way that honors God. I, I, can't, I can't imagine not trying to do this, not doing this. I want to finish my days on earth doing that. Amen. And um, I have an interview now this coming Friday. God is teaching me patience because once I got my application and they were supposed to say the following week, you have an interview, it's been a month. And so, um, but thank you yeah. to you and other people that have walked me through being patient mm -hmm. and praying for me. And so, um, you know, this is not me. Me, I was raised to work, to, to, to fill your retirement, to, you know, do those things. This is, but this is, this is me. <laughs> this is me. I, I really want to do this. Amen. Amen. Stay right here. Stay right here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for you and your upcoming um, uh, interview and this whole process. So she's working through Converge uh, and, and going through this whole process. And there's a lot of questions and all this stuff. And they, you know, they do all that vetting. They want to make sure that that when they get her over there, she can hit the ground running and is able to do all that God is calling her to do. Yeah. 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 So she'll be on a Zoom call this Friday, but we want to pray for her. But at the same time, I want to pray for us. Um, can you put the benediction slide up? And you'll see this again at, as we get ready to dismiss. It's, uh, it's uh, Luke 10.2. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So we're going to pray for Jody, but we're also going to pray that the Lord would send out laborers. And as we pray this earnestly, you may be actually praying for yourself and not even know it. The Lord would be like, hey, remember when you prayed that prayer with Pastor Rob? <laughs> you get to go. You're like, What? So this is where you are in that process. So will you stand with me? Worship team, will you make your way up? Because when we say amen, we're going to close with uh, some worship. And we just want to pray together. Father, I thank you for Jody, And I thank you for her life. And God, as she said, this is purpose. You have called her. You have set her apart. And you have placed the Holy Spirit within her. 
And now you are calling her into a harvest field. And with great anticipation and excitement, she's just, she's ready. She's ready to take those steps. And Jesus, help her not to, to go before you, but to just be in alignment with you. That as you lead, she just is taking you by the hand and walking with you. Father, just give her uh, all that she needs. Continue to bring that provision. May she not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worry of its own. You are the God who fulfills today. And so help her know that you are with her today and you will care for her and provide for her. And God, you are calling her into your harvest. And you are going to do this great work. And she gets to do that with you. And so God, we just ask that this Friday, that this opportunity, you would continue just to unfold it, that you would help her to see and help her to, to discern exactly what it is that you're calling her to do. And then we, as the church, we pray, God, will you send out laborers? Will you send out laborers into your harvest? Your harvest is right outside these doors. It begins the moment we hit the parking lot. So God, we're asking that you would send out laborers into our community. Father, that you would change our homes. Our homes are white unto harvest. We, we need to Bring Christ into our homes. So God, would you start in our home, into our community, into our cities, into the nations. God, use us as you will. Help us to walk in a way that just is oriented after you. And then as you speak, may we be obedient to walk in those ways. Whether it's here, there, in the air, wherever you send us, God, may we just say yes, Lord. So send out laborers. May people come to know Christ and be saved. For today is the day of salvation. Use us as you will. Mission starts with you, our great missionary king. May we be like you. We pray this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's worship together.